This is the Scots Bass Lessons Podcast and I am your host, Scott Devine. This podcast is brought to you by the Scots Bass Lessons Academy, the number one online learning platform for bass players that want to take their bass playing to the next level. Hey, how's it going guys? Scott here from Scots Bass Lessons again and today I'm here with the Scots Bass Lessons Podcast episode number six and today we have got on the phenomenal, the godfather of gospel bass, Andrew Goucher. I was actually going to hold this episode back over the holiday period and release it in January instead, but kind of a last minute thing, I've been going through some bass withdrawal over the holiday season and I figured you guys might be the same, so I thought I'd release this anyway so we could all indulge in a bit of, well, in a bit of groove, in a bit of bass while our families are eating Christmas puddings or whatever they do. Um, over this season and on that note actually I just want to say or send um, a whole load of bass love to you and say happy holidays to everybody out there around the world listening to this right now and if Christmas isn't your thing I'm still sending you some bass love anyway. Now if you're listening on iTunes make sure you leave a review and subscribe that way every time I release a new episode you'll get notified and it also just helps spread the love about this podcast and and helps you know, it reach out to, to guys and girls out there that might not have found it otherwise. So as I said, we've got Andrew Goucher with us today. And guys, he really is so knowledgeable. I, mean, I think you're going to really get a lot of great stuff from this interview. He's worked from, well, he's worked with everybody. He's worked with Prince and the New Power Generation, right through to being Shaka Khan's musical director. And he tells you about how he actually got that gig and the experiences that he had on the road, how he actually got into the bass itself. It's really interesting because when Andrew got into playing bass, there wasn't really that many guys to to try and emulate. And he talks about that and how he had to kind of carve his own path. And I think that's, and I think you would agree with me that that's really helped him along the way, actually carving his own path and path and finding his own sound. Um, I'm going to let him do the do the talking in the interview. But before I get onto the interview again, if you're listening to this anywhere else other than ScottsBassLessons.com, make sure you shoot over to the site and check out the show notes for this episode, as I've put some fantastic videos of Andrew up there for you to check out, so you don't have to go onto YouTube and search among the zillion videos on there. I've put some great videos on there for you to check his stuff out. So just go to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash episode six and you'll find this episode and all the show notes. And if you're completely new to scottsbasslessons.com, make sure you shoot over to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit because I've created some great free resources for you to download, such as a baseline creation guide. There's a buyer's guide on there where I sit down with Chris May, the luthier behind Overwater Bases, and he talks about the specific things that you should look for. Um, I've also created a guide about the modes, understanding the modes. Obviously, there's a lot of brain fog uh, that's been created around the understanding of the mode. So hopefully that mini course will help you out there as well. So just go to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit if you want to check that out. And also, if you're not an Academy member yet, just shoot over to scottsbasslessons.com, check out the Academy. Essentially, it's the number one place to learn bass, to learn bass online right now. The step-by-step courses, live seminars every week. We've got the largest online bass educational community in the world. That's a mouthful. 
online-based educational community in the world. We've got tons more. We've got, there's me obviously teaching there. There's a host of other amazing tutors. And the great thing is it's all online and you can consume it in your own time. And you, oh, you get a 14-day free trial as well. So you can try it out completely risk-free. Now, without further ado, let's get into episode six with Andrew Goucher. Hey guys, how's it going? I am here with the who probably I would say is the godfather of gospel base. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it out there and say it. You know, it's funny. That's what everybody calls. Yeah, you are, man. You're the godfather. You know, not as mean as the the godfather. You know, Al Pacino, godfather, but still the godfather of gospel base, Andrew Goucher. Now, if you've been living in a cave for the last few years, you know, you might not have heard of him, but everybody else has. But I've got a list here, and we were putting together this list earlier of the guys that you've played with, Andrew. Mm. And it's crazy. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to read some of them off because it's just, I think it's probably the, you know, the craziest resume I've ever heard in my life. Okay, so here we go from the top. Prince, Shaka Khan, Michael Jackson, Quincy Jones, Madonna, Snoop Dogg, Earth, Wind & Fire, Aretha Franklin, Smokey Robinson, Patty Patty um, LaBelle, Judith Hill, Donna Summer, Gladys Knight, I'm only halfway through. Yolanda Adams and your career has also led you to play on some of the largest world stages in television and film, such as Good Morning America, The Today Show, Martha Stewart Show, MTV Awards, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, Saturday Night Live, Soul Train, The Grammy Awards, The Rosie O'Donnell Show, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Jimmy Kimmel Show, The Lion King and The Colour Purple, which I saw Shaka Khan in actually a few years ago. Um, like, I'm sure I've missed... Well, I actually took some people out. I just thought, I'm not going to read the entire list. We'll be here all day. So That's crazy, man. I, I really am uncomfortable when people ask me because I hear myself and I'm going, dude, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's really amazing, though, because I remember very vividly when I was first starting out. And, I, you know, back in the day, yeah. I'm talking about the 70s, we used to look on the back of albums, you know, yeah, 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 sure. And look at the credits. And I used to look at the credits. That's the thing I miss now, looking at the albums. Yeah, though. man. And I used to wonder what it would be like to actually meet these people. Yeah. And then to actually be able to say that I worked with them. I'll never forget. I went into the studio with Andre Crouch, and I'm looking around the room. I'm like, okay, that's Joe Sample. <laughs> that's Bill Maxwell. That's Andre Crouch. Like the first gospel <laughs> yeah, record yeah, I yeah. ever bought. I was actually living in New Zealand in 1978. And wow. uh, I was over there playing. I don't know how familiar you are with Lion Breweries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, I was in a, in a top 40 band. That's what they called it back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played in all the pubs in the North and South Island for like a whole year. And I was really homesick for church. And I just happened to be walking down the street, this little fleet market, and I saw some gospel tapes. It was an Andre Crouch tape and a, and a Hawkins family tape. And I wore those tapes out. And I li- I'd li- listen to that Andre Crouch and like just wonder what it would be like to actually meet Andre Crouch. And there you were playing with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How did it happen? <clears throat> like, like, obviously, you know, I, I, it's a crazy list. But, you know, you did start out, you know, when you were a kid, yeah. like many yeah. people do. How did you get, how did the bass find you? You know, I um, I started out on the trumpet when we were kids, when we were young, because my mother was always musical. Was she family. from a musical yeah. family, yeah. And it's a great, great, incredible singer. And when we were young, my mother said, uh, we have to learn an instrument. So I'm 
trying to be smart. I was like, okay, the trumpet only has three keys. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna learn the trumpet. <laughs> Nobody told me the whole lip part. Right? Yeah. You got to do all the work with your lip. <laughs> and so um, I started playing trumpet. But when I was 14, I saw Larry Graham, Graham Central Station on Soul Train. Yeah. And I said, bass. And I begged my mother to give me a bass. How old are you at this point? 15. 15. Yep. And she uh, got me a bass for Christmas. And I'll never forget it. It came, I don't know if you ever heard of Sears and Roebuck with Sears. No, no, no. It was no. a department store where, well, it's kind of stores where they sell everything. Right, okay. And they had Woolworths type of thing. Exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it was Sears and Roebuck back then. And they had a music session and we got the bass. We got the bass and the amp. Uh, it was One of those starter packages. That yeah, the, yeah, it yeah. was a, it was a uh, Tysco bass and a Sears Silvertone app. It was a 12-inch speaker, like totally like just <laughs> yeah. made out of paper. Paper, yeah. And the amp was 40 watts. And I got that thing, man. And my, it was amazing because my mother saw, like I took to it immediately. And I always thank her because she never made me stop. She saw how yeah, yeah. into it I was. And like, I think my mind goes back to the autumn times where I was making all that noise in the house and it had to be horrible. <laughs> it had to be. But she never told me to turn it down. She never made me stop. And within a year, I was doing gigs. Really? Yeah. yeah. Literally, I was doing gigs. And I, there's a very famous gospel singer, Reverend James Cleveland, who I was, yeah. I sang in the choir at his church. And actually, that church right on the corner, right here. That, that That's the church. Wow. And, and uh, I got the bass. And his he had a bass player, but his bass player lived in New York who traveled with him. So he didn't live here. Okay. So there was no bass player at the church. So he said, let me sit over on the side and try to figure out the songs. And, and pretty much that was where my career started because in 83, I went to Israel with James. And that's where I met Andre Crouch. Right, okay. Yeah. And Andre came up to me and 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 said, hey man, I really love the way you play. I want to work with you. And I'm sitting there. Oh, fantastic. Okay, Andre Krause wants to work with me. And <laughs> literally a month later, I was in the studio recording with him. Wow, and, that was to be surreal. And it's everything started with James Cleveland. From Andre, from James to Andre, then from Andre, I met the Winings. And then when I was with James, we went up to, to the Bay Area, to Oakland, to Walter Hawkins Church. And that's how I met Walter Hawkins. And I love that music. And I just told Walter, I said, I want to play bass with you. <laughs> and he was like, well, I don't want to offend James. I was like, man, forget James. Yeah. <laughs> and I wound up working with them. Yeah. At one time, I was playing with the, with Andre, the Winings, the Hawkins family, Andre Crouch, with Andre Hawkins, Winings, James, and the Jazz Crusaders. Because I met Joe Sample on Andre's session. And then Joe Sample was like, Hey man, I love the way you play, man. I want to work with you. So I'm bugging it's out. It's the same, man. it's always the same in yeah. the connections yeah. made through people and that that's know what each it other. Is, yeah. man. Even now when, when people ask me, you know, because I'm I'm the old guy that everybody wants to get advice from, like everybody wants to know, well, how do I how do I get into the music business? You sure, know? yeah, yeah. And I, and I tell them, dude, if there was a surefire way, then everybody would do it. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it is the main thing is being prepared when the opportunity comes, yeah. you know, and because when you get to a certain level, everybody's good. So it ain't, it's not yeah, about it's more than that. Yeah. It's about the little things you're being prepared, your attitude, how you interact with everybody else, all those things, you know? Um, so yeah, that's how it worked for me, man. And then too, 
when I was coming up there, especially in gospel, there were no other gospel bass players. So how, how did you, how, like, who were you taking from? <clears throat> who was your kind of influences at that point? Was it's it really funny because I remember at very early on thinking that I didn't want to sound like anybody else. Yeah. And like, I love Larry Graham and I could play all that Graham stuff. And were you trying to, yeah, were you sort of like learning the lines? And I that's learned, how, is that how you the, learned the bass? I learned them, you yeah. know, and which is what, you know, what, what everybody calls slap bass. It wasn't called that. It was called thumping. Thumping, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, you know, that's where, and I listened to the Brothers Johnson, but one bass player, the first bass player that actually got my attention was Alfonso Johnson. Yeah, yeah, and there was a song, a whisper song. A lot of people don't realize this. It's a song called "You Never Miss Your Water Till Your Well Runs Dry." You got to listen to it. Whisper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Alfonso Johnson has a bass solo on there that's incredible. And then I heard Robert Wilson, the guy band. Yeah, who literally was my favorite bass player. The way he played, and you know, because of where I come from, you know, it, it's a heart thing, you yeah. know, and. I gravitate to the players that that touch my heart. emotionally. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, you get to a point where you've heard every lick, you've seen every chop, and I have a great appreciation for technical skill. But very few people can I go sit and watch because yeah. I, it has to move me, and that's the kind of player I am, and that's the kind of music I want to hear. So, um, I am um, Robert Wilson, and. Even though he was with the Gap Band, a lot of people never, don't know this, but there was an artist, an R&B artist called DJ Rogers, who yeah. had a couple of mid-level hits, but he was an incredible singer, but he was a church boy. But he's the one that actually brought the Gap Band to L.A. from, from Tulsa. Really? They came okay. out here, and they lived in his house, and they worked with him. And there's some <laughs> records that I'm telling people, check out DJ Rogers, go on YouTube. And you'll hear Robert Wilson play some stuff that's so incredible. Like a lot of the young bass players here, I, yeah, let, him, yeah. I let him hear some of that stuff yeah. and it blows you away. Because this is like 74, 76, he was playing what he was playing. And it's stuff that's incredible right and that, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. still people are probably using those, those techniques yeah. right now, yeah. And a lot of DJ's music has been sampled. Like, you know that song by Common Faithful? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a DJ Rogers song from the <laughs> 70s. And if you heard it... It'll blow you away. And he just sampled DJ Rogers. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so Robert Wilson was my favorite bass player. And it was cool because he was actually my friend, too. And and when he passed a couple of years ago, about four, four or five years ago now, I actually played at his funeral. Wow. And it was funny because he, um, he had just talked to me about uh, us doing some shows together. And I was like, oh, yeah, man. cool. And the next thing I know, he passed, yeah, yeah. You know, which was really sad, but incredible. You know, that, those are the players that I they're, they're, they're the guys that you were listening to, yeah. But, you know, I did. I listened to Stanley, the whole Return of Forever. Yeah, I yeah. was listening to that stuff. And I could play that stuff. Yeah. But no, way it, was. It, it, did, it didn't interest me after a while. I lost yeah. interest in it, you know. So um, there, were, there were things that I could do back then that I can't do now, you know, because my focus shifted. I wanted to be yeah, fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, everybody I think everybody has that, don't they? Yeah, yeah everybody's yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah, I used to be a bit fast, yeah. you know, faster years ago. There's some records. There's a lick on a particular record that I, I was just talking to a friend of mine about it, and and I cannot play it because it's the timing of it, and I want to know what was my brain thinking at that point that made me play that lick right when I played it. And yeah. I can't do it now. <laughs> <laughs> when do you know when you were working with all these guys when did the md thing come up because i also when i think about you i, I know that you were like md for shaka khan and yeah. you've been md for a whole of the 
uh, like loads of artists. It When did just that? You know, did it? It's kind of an evolution because it wasn't like I pressed to be musical director, yeah. but I always have had ideas. Like my brain, like my, for me, when I practice, my practice is writing songs. Yeah, um, that's the way I think. You know, I, I, I like I like to play along with a drum machine because I'm always doing bass lines and. And a lot of gigs that I was on, we'd be playing a song. Like my first R&B gig was Cheryl Lynn. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you know about that one? No, no, no. But that was my first R&B Really, gig. yeah. But it's, I'm going to tell you a funny story. I got the gig. There was a bass player, incredible bass player. His name was Welton Guide. Welton Guide. He was Marvin Gaye's last bass player. Okay. Before right, he died. okay. Welton auditioned, and I auditioned, about three or four bass players. But we sat there and watched each other audition. <laughs> And Welton played circles around me. But I got the gig, and the guy, when they called me, they said, well, and they said, they said, well, Welton played better than you, but uh, Cheryl likes you because you're big. Because Cheryl Lynn's a big woman. And Welton okay. is a little bitty guy. So I got it the gig. It made them look even bigger. I got the gig because she wouldn't look as big on stage standing next to me, you know, and that's they told me that, too. Yeah. And I was like, and I, honestly, I didn't think I was going to get the gig because I saw Welton play. Yeah, I saw yeah. him do some stuff that I didn't even understand yet. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But, um, How old are you at this point? 20, I got the gig at Cheryl in 83, uh, 84. So I was 25. Wow. Yeah, 25, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, anyway. And did you end up, how did the MD come? Oh, the MD yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think like for everybody listening as well and watching, I think it'd be great for them to know and understand the role that you, that, you know, that when you get given that label MD, mm -hmm. what does that actually entail? Well, you're literally responsible for the music. So when an artist, when you're the musical director and something goes wrong, they're not going to go talk to anybody else in the band. They're going to talk you. to you. Yeah, yeah. And I was ready for that, you know, and, um, but what happened, I started, you know, just doing stuff like, well, why don't we try this? And like 99 times out of 100, my ideas, they liked. Yeah. And then it got started to be a thing, well, Ruche, uh, what do you think we should do? Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And, and it, it just evolved into that. And then I just got to be known for that. And I never actively sought an MD. It's just, it just a role that kind of kind. Yeah. I just got a rep because I, and I was doing a lot of records and there was, um, a bunch of records that I did in gospel that were really well-known records. And I remember an Edwin Hawkins record. Um, uh, there was a, a bass line. I don't know if you ever heard, but it's, uh, well, I can't play it. You have to hear the song. It's not going to make sense. <laughs> but I came up with this bass line that literally made me world famous. Really? Yeah. It was just a song, say, nigga one. I need your spirit. I want your Spirit, yeah. fall on me, fall down on me. Now, the, the original bass line was just, I need your spirit, I want your spirit, fall on me, fall down. That's what it was. Yeah. But I said, I need. All right, yeah. Syncopated type of vibe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I did this. Then I did this. That bass line, I'll never forget. That's the bass line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was funny because 
I went to Europe with Andre the year that that record came out. And when Andre introduced the band, uh, and when he said my name, the audience, we were in London. They said, that's the guy that played bass on Spirit. And literally, <laughs> they went crazy, man. It was crazy. And, oh, man. You know, it wasn't a lot. There's a million incredible players now. But back then, it was me and it was Joel Smith. I don't know right, if you okay. Yeah, Joel. yeah, yeah, of course. And yeah. Joel was, he was my favorite bass player back yeah. then. Um, but, but he was amazing because he would play drums live on the sessions. Wow. And then he'd go in the studio and put the bass on. You know? <laughs> and uh, so that's how I knew I could get the gig with, with the Hawkins because Joel couldn't do both. I yeah, said, so yeah, yeah. Just let Joel play drums yeah, yeah. and I'll play bass. Yeah. And, and that's how I got the gig with the Hawkins family. But uh, but um, so I was doing stuff like that, man. And people, I just started getting a reputation for it. And then the next thing I know, my first actual musical director job was with BB and CC Winans. Oh, okay, yeah. And BB came to because when I played with the Winans, I wasn't the MD, but I came up with all the ideas right. for for the for the show. And BB, I guess he just saw it, and he he called me and told me that he wanted me to be his musical director. Yeah. And I put the show together my first time doing it. And do you really enjoy it as well? Because yeah, it's it's just you know it's a different role, isn't it, from just a bass player. It's, it's You've a, got it's more a big responsibility. responsibility, but I, 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 I was just ready for it. You know, I, I welcomed the challenge, and it just worked out, man. You know, uh, and then when you're the MD, you also get to decide who you want to play with too. You know, yeah, that's a good. Because bit, that's yeah. part of the stipulation for me. If I'm going to be the musical director, then I have to be able to have the personnel because you want somebody that's going to respect, first of all, your authority. Yeah, you know, because I've been in situations, and as a bass player. I can't count the times that I got challenged by a keyboard player. You really? Know? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because especially in gospel, keyboard players are usually the leaders, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. I, I had, so they're used to being in that role. Yeah. Yeah. And they just kind of, uh, and people in church don't know any better, so they just assume that the keyboard player is the leader, you yeah. know? I've been on, I was a musical director at my church uh, for a while, and then I, I stepped down because I just didn't want to do it. But my pastor would come over and talk. To the keyboard player and i actually went to him i said you know what dude look i need you when you come to address the band i need you to talk to me yeah because everybody else is going to do what they see you doing he was like you know you're right yeah you know he so, was just doing out of habit yeah and see now there are a lot of bass players getting the md job yeah but I know, it was yeah. an uphill battle man you know because i would you know why do you think that is why do you think there's like because you're not playing players? chords you know yeah but see i have perfect pitch so i hear you play a a chord, and I'd be like, okay, no, but take that D flat out of that chord. And you're like, wow, he he, he can hear the D flat. The yeah, yeah, and yeah. I yeah. said, well, add this note. Yeah. And then they, oh. So I had to I had to win over keyboard players, too. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was actually doing a really That's earn your stripes. <laughs> yeah. I was doing a big show one time, and the keyboard player challenged me in front of the artist. Oh. And he was just, he knew that he was right, and he was wrong as two left shoes, man. <laughs> and, He's like, that's not right. That's not right. I said, dude, it is right. And he's like, no, that's not right. Like, he's loud talking to me. Yeah. And finally, the artist was like, well, are you the musical director? Oh, no. He said, he's the musical director? And then she said, well, it's whatever he says. Now, yeah. This is during rehearsal. The next day, we were taping, and he comes over and goes, oh, yeah, man, you're right about that chord. I said, well, why don't you say it real loud like you were saying it yesterday, you know? But I went through that. You Speak know? up a little bit. But, you know, I've been doing this for so long that and it's a blessing because 
I get the respect. Yeah. I, the people respect me, you know, and, um, but it, it wasn't, you know, and it's funny because people see now. But they don't. They didn't see the journey to when it got to this show, sure, yeah, no. you know. And a lot of times, like I've had people come to my house, and I look around my studio and like can't even hide their envy, you know. It was yeah, like, but yeah, dude, yeah. you don't understand. You weren't around when I was. My rent was two months behind, and and my lights were off. Yeah, there was yeah, a yeah. time where I had to actually. I lived in this apartment complex, and I had to run a cord into the parking structure. You know, you could buy those those. Things you could screw in with. Yeah, yeah, plug yeah. Them, and plug, plug them on. Into, yeah, yeah. And that's how I got electricity in my Really? Yeah. So people don't realize all that. Yeah, yeah. Know? They just see sort if of like see, now, yeah. they don't see the, the work yeah, that you put yeah. in beforehand. They don't yeah. see the journey, man, you know, so. And when, do you, when you were coming through that journey, like obviously you know about harmony and chords, mm-hmm. where did that experience come from? Because that's something that's it learned over time as well. Because the crazy part is that I don't read music. and But I have my ear, I've always had it. Uh, and playing with James Cleveland always had the greatest singers and he had the greatest keyboard. So players. just like listening to the other, do the guys. And I would ask yeah. when I hear a chord, I go, what's that chord called? Uh, it's a G suspended. Yeah. So I got to, to where I recognize chords, yeah. flat five, sharp nine, whatever. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, when yeah, I hear yeah. it, I know what it is. And you were the sound of the chords. Yeah. yeah. And that's how I learned it. And then, you know, perfect pitch is a blessing and a curse. You know, yeah, sure. something yeah, is sure, wrong. Yeah. It's like, like it's really wrong. wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, that's where I got it from, and it just—it's funny how all the things that you experience like make you who you are. And um, be quiet, Spider Man. Andrew's dog. dog's called Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like how cool is that? Um, so that quiet too. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then uh, you know, understanding chords and things like that obviously sort of like really helps you out mm-hmm. in the MD situation. Mm-hmm. You know, one of your most famous roles as an MD was probably like Shaka Khan, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the you know, I hear so many people, yeah, Andrew yeah. Gush, MD for Shaka Khan. Yeah. How did that gig come about? I met Shaka. I was playing with. Uh, are you familiar with Karen Briggs? Yeah. We used to do a lot of gigs together around right, okay. town, and Shaka came to one of our gigs. Karen Briggs is an incredible violinist that played with Yanni and a lot of other people. But super, super good. Yeah. yeah. But Shaka came to the gig, and like she, you know, Shaka, her husband was a bass player. She oh, she loves. Oh really? Bass. Oh yeah. Uh, I forget his first name, but her Khan. It was that's where she got her last name. Right. From. Okay. Yeah. But he was a bass player. So she loves bass and like she's watching me play and she's literally freaking out, dude, to where it's kind of weird. A little bit. <laughs> and 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 then after the gig, she came up to me and she kissed me in the mouth and she said, you're going on the road with me. You know, really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And during that time, it was, was when I actually stopped touring. And I toured. What year was this? Uh, well, I met Shaka in about. 2002 but i toured straight from from 1977 to 1997 so in 97 i had been touring 20, for 20 years, years yeah. and i got to i was on a gig which i won't name the artist but she was so horrible that i used to be on stage imagining myself kicking her in the back and kicking her off the stage but every scenario that i played out in my mind ended with me going to jail That's a bad so, end for you yeah. Yeah, yeah so but i just i was thinking that i i did not start playing music to feel like this yeah and sure i quit and i just it was amazing because I just said I didn't want to play with anybody. Yeah. And the year after I left that gig, 
I made more money than I'd ever made in my life. Amazing. And and then a couple of years later, I wrote a song. It was just an arrangement of a song, of old traditional gospel song, Wade in the Water. Um, yeah, yeah. And have you heard my product, my um, um, Mary Mary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First yeah, record. Yeah. But I, I started doing my own, like my jam sessions that you saw. Yeah. I was doing a gospel version of that. I started okay. in 97. And it literally, it was called the Praise Connection. And literally, we, we started at this place that sat 250 people. We did it every Sunday night, but we would average 350, 400 people wow. every Sunday Every night. Sunday, yeah. And because I played with all the artists, gospel artists, anytime any gospel artist was in town, they'd come to my gig. So it yeah. had to be a thing where you never knew who was going to be there. Like I look up one day and there's Brandy sitting in the audience. You know, <laughs> I don't know Brandy, but Brandy's heard about my gig. Yeah, yeah. And Eric Benet used to come every wow. Sunday, re- reserve a table. I never met him. I just met him a couple of months ago. Really? Yeah. And I got a chance to talk to him. I said, Yeah. I said, You remember the gospel thing you used to go to on Sunday? He's like, Yeah. I said, That was my thing. Oh wow. He's like, Oh wow. <laughs> he would reserve a table every Sunday. Um, and people like everybody, all the gospel artists came. Fred Hammond's office called me. They were coming to town and they said, Fred, the group is going to be out there. Fred wants to know if he can. It was called the Praise Connection. He said he wants to know if he can bring the group to Praise yeah. Connection. So it was like that. But uh, uh, what were we talking about? I forgot. Oh, Shaka, well, yeah, you were talking about Shaka Khan and, yeah. you know, MD but, uh, and that. But uh, I've totally lost my train. <laughs> Thinking so, about old memories. It's so, it's so much like my brain, man. It's like, you know, it's funny because. There's always only 24 hours in a day. Yeah. But when you're younger, you're not, you're only putting a little bit of stuff in there, but as you keep going, you keep stuffing more and st- <laughs> yeah. stuff in there. Yeah, it overflows. But it's yeah. still only 24 hours in a day, man. So, but with Shaka, um, well, I was talking about me stopping touring. So oh, I yeah, yeah, doing, yeah. That was I it. Yeah, yeah. Doing Praise Connection. And then I had the song on Mary Mary's record. And that was incredible because the record went quadruple platinum and, uh, won a Grammy, so I got a Grammy. Yeah. Uh, and but that's when I learned that there's a whole other kind of money that exists. Yeah. That you'll never make just being a musician. Yeah, yeah, sure. That songwriting money, because I was the only one on the record that had 100% writers and publishing on the song. Wow. And that was because my good friend Warren Campbell, he was producing them. He 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 called me. Said man. He said man. I grew up listening to you. He said I had to have you on this record. Yeah. Then he said I want you to produce it. And then I went to him to say, well, how do you want to do the business? You know, because I just assumed that they would take fifty percent of the publishing. And he was like, man, that's your song. I don't want any of it. And that's when I learned my song's number thirteen on the CD. Wow. And that's when I learned number thirteen sells just as much as number one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Number one song is the song that actually sold the record, but. Um, so I was home and I was cool not playing. And Shaka, when she saw me, it was about 2001, two, somewhere in there. And when she said, are you going on the road with me? I was like, you know, I appreciate that, but I don't do that. Yeah. You know, and then I got married in 2099. And then my kids were born in 2001 and 2002. So that I had little kids. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was just cool, man. Um, playing at church, playing around town, doing sessions. Did a bunch of records during that time. So I was cool. Like a lot of sessions still. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was thinking about going on the road. But then in 2006, I was getting the itch again. And out of nowhere, Shaka's manager called. And wow. I don't know who gave her my number, but she said, she said, Shaka's been looking for you. She wants you to be her MD. 
Just like that. She didn't know know anything about me being an MD. Yeah, yeah. But she said, and then she said words that nobody ever said to me. She said, how much do you want? They're great words. Yeah. (laughs) And and then I I thought about, I said, I want to say as much as I can that I think I can get away with saying. (laughs) Yeah. And I told her a price and she said, yeah, instantly. And then I was like, crap, I should have said more. I should have went more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh. It's always the but same, isn't it? Yeah. But it was just great, man. When I got with Shaka, man. Um, and how long did that gig last for? Six years. Six years. Oh, so yeah. And was that like yeah. a lot of touring? Yeah, we yeah. were on the road literally all the time, and uh, it was five and a half years. Yeah. But what was the band like? How big was it? It started out two keyboard players, guitar, bass, and drums, and then I had my boy Donald Hayes on sax for a while, and then we we cut it down to one keyboard player, and. Um, but we just just developed a continuity, man. Yeah. And it was just, it was crazy. I mean, pretty much the same band all throughout them six years. We changed. Um, the only one that was the absolute same was the keyboard player who's now MDing everybody. He was young. He was like right, okay. 18 years old. Really? Yeah, wow. But he's like, he, he MDs Sierra now, but he, um, but he, what he does, he puts shows together for everybody. Like yeah, a lot of major yeah. artists, he yeah. does all the Pro Tools. Right. Okay. Shows. Yeah. Oh, he sequences all the sort of like tracks yeah, up and stuff yeah. like that. And okay, he does right, it all yeah. himself, you yeah. know. So, but he's really, really like doing great work now. But um, we, we switched out a few people. Um, uh, he and I are the only ones that never subbed out to do anything else. Okay, um, you were the consistent ones, yeah. Yeah, but um, and it was just it was pretty incredible. And I actually asked Shaka one day. I was like, so what made you? Think about me being your musical director. And she just said, when I saw it, she said, I didn't want to do it. It just and sort of like did that's something. That's the only time she said that. That's so yep, mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah wicked. It. And it was just incredible, man. Wow. Uh, so that's what happened. Even when, and when you know, when Prince called. It, I was going to, that like, was going to be my next question. Like, how did the, this lead so well, like, Obviously, when the Shaka, Shaka thing, in yeah. In 2011, we, uh, we opened up for Prince a bunch of times. Yeah. Like, he did 21 shows. Yeah, I know he did. Did he do 21 in London? He did, yeah. yeah he, did he, a, he did a hell of a he lot. Did, he did Maybe 20, even more, actually. He did 21 nights here. Yeah. He did it here. He did it in New York. He did it in Toronto, and he did it in Australia, yeah. too. But the, but before that, we opened up for him in, in uh, North Carolina, and it was a trip because um, he saw our show, and he came running backstage looking for me. And he's <laughs> Same like, thing, right? He's like, dude. <laughs> Dude, you're killing. Who are you? And I'm sitting there bugging out. And I'm like, okay, Prince is acting like I'm Prince and he's a Prince <laughs> fan. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one thing I love about him, he really appreciates talent. You right, know? okay. And, yeah. and he just, he was just like really complimenting me, you know, and it was just really cool. And then we opened up for him a couple more times in, well, six times that year, actually. But then every time after that, when we played, he'd always be over on the side, like with his shades on, watching me play. And were you kind of, sort of like, you know, I'm just putting myself in, in your situation. I'm so, I'd, be, I'd be thinking to myself, man, I could do, you know, I'd love to do the Prince gig. But, you know, by this time, I've done so many gigs. And, and why I always have an appreciation for people and who you are. I know who you are, but I'm yeah. not in awe of people like right, that. Yeah, I yeah. don't put people on pedestals, man. I've worked with some of the greatest artists in the world. And it's been a blessing, but they put their shoes on like I do. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, and I think that was one of the cool things about with Prince because every time I talk to him, I talk to him like I'm talking like to a dude. You. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was never like, 
oh, Mr. Prince, I love everything you do. You know, <laughs> I wasn't like that. You know, I just yeah. talked to him, yeah, and yeah. I and I learned that he loves like intelligent conversation, and he loves honesty, and he loves interaction, and he's he's funny because he talks so much trash. You know, he's a trash talker, <laughs> but he would say stuff. He'd all, like he talk about my bass. He go, yeah. Boucher's bass got all those strings on it. <laughs> Larry's bass only has because him and Larry are best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Larry's sure, bass sure. only has, has four, four strings. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, you know, this bass has those four strings on it too. <laughs> and he just started laughing, right? Yeah, yeah. And then one day he was like, "Yeah, Boucher's bass got all those knobs. Why you got all those knobs on the bass?" And I said, "You know what, Prince? This bass is the reason you called me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went like this. You didn't say nothing else, you know. <laughs> so uh, people ask me about that gig, and it's it was it's a it's a cool experience. Uh, it was three years, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and was that a lot of touring as well? Not really. We rehearsed more than we and recorded more than we did anything. We did a few shows, but uh, I think he's kind of still searching for what he's looking to do. Now. Yeah, and yeah. he's always trying to see what the next thing is because now. Uh, from what I hear, that guy, the kid, Mono Neon, is playing out there now. Oh, really? Right. Yeah, okay, he's yeah, out yeah. there, you know, and incredible, incredible player. Oh, he's a crazy know? player, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, super, you super. Know, player, and yeah. I could see Prince gravitating to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got that style, yeah, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's doing, and even, you know, like I, well, a lot of the guys, because we had all the horn players he's not using them. We had 11-piece horn section. I was going to say, the yeah. horn section was huge, yeah, it was wasn't 11 it? 11 horns. So what, yeah, what was the band? How big was it? It was 11 horns, Cassandra on keys, two guitars, me on bass, you know, and, yeah. and three singers, you know. So it was it was crazy. You know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, Prince is just, he, he, he experiments and he does new things. And I, I really knew that going in, you know. I, I wasn't like... Okay, my life's about to change because I'm here. You know, yeah, I've yeah. learned and I've been fired off enough gigs to just understand that, you know, and I and I would tell musicians, don't get the big head and get arrogant because you get a big gig, because gigs end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they end. end. Yeah, yeah. You know, they always do. Yeah. It may last 10 years, but um 10 years in one day is it's gonna, gonna end. end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and that's why you always gotta be cool, because you you never know who you're going to see. And the person you saw when you were being a jerk, you're going to see him again. <laughs> yeah, you might need a yeah, gig. Yeah, you might need a gig. Yeah, yeah, And I tell people, I just got to be cool all the time. But, you know, we I worked with him. And then uh, I I'm, actually haven't seen him since it's been a year now. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, called yeah, me yeah. a couple of times. But uh, but I haven't uh, I haven't been back out there. So, you know, but it's cool. And like I said, how many people can say they work with Prince? Oh man, you know? like it's 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 just so, so great. To have so I, I can't even imagine what that experience must have been yeah. like to do yeah. that. It's you know? kind of surreal. And those tunes as well. You know, like as you go to Paisley Park and then you see the first thing you see when you walk in the door is the motorcycle. Okay, right. From yeah. Purple Rain. Yeah, from it's Purple like Rain, right yeah. there in the door when you come in, and then you see a lot of the memorabilia from that movie. Yeah. You know, and. Um, so that's kind of cool, man, and just even be able to see that stuff, man. Uh, and then the big symbol on the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so Is it a big cool. place? It's gigantic. Gigantic. Oh, yes. Yeah, the the room that we rehearsed in, they can get, I think, they say 2,000 people in there to do a show. What? Yeah. It's like a gigantic sound. It's like a console. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he does a lot of shows there. Yeah. And there's a club next to it. They say like 900 people can get in there, you know, so 
I mean, he's just built his world. Yeah, man. Know? And he's it's doing all right for himself. <laughs> if I could do that, I'd do it too. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. And, um, no, I know. You know, like, yeah. you have got, like, I know you guys can't see this, but, like, Andrew's yeah. studio is badass. Uh, it is super it's, badass. It's all right. It's, it's all right. badass. Yeah. Talking about the six string, Prince, yeah. you know, doing his thing. and But, when, you know, when I think of you, I do associate, associate mm-hmm. you with yeah. six string. Yeah. When did you first get into that? Because obviously you've come well, up through you know, when, when there wasn't any six strings, right. you know. When I started, there was no such thing as a five-string bass. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and also, you know, I tuned down a whole step. And that came from... Where, was, where did that come from? A lot of people, because a lot of cats do it, but they don't realize where it came from. Yeah. It came from the bass. You only had four strings. It only went to E. And what really inspired me to do it was Robert Wilson on uh, the Gap Band song, Yearning. yeah. He's doing this. He had his bass tuned Chew down, down. Uh, to a low B. Yeah. And in gospel, a lot of songs are in E flat, A flat, a lot of flat keys. Yeah. And it just, just has, it used to piss me off to come up here to play E flat. And it just doesn't have that. Yeah. And it's just, the yeah, the booty just went away. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and Joel Smith, my good friend, he tuned down to E flat. And so I wanted to be lower than Joel, so I took him <laughs> And that's where it came from. So well, I started. I, I get asked these questions yeah. so many. Why yeah. do gospel play? Why, why are they tuning down? But you it's you guys. It. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of people <laughs> do it, man. And once they hear it and hear how it just sits, like there's just a, a different kind of warmth when a bass is tuned down. Yeah, yeah, know? different vibe and to the notes. I'll never forget the first time. Well, I got my first five string in 85. Uh, it was a Yamaha BB5000. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thing. The neck was like this narrow. Yeah, yeah. But um, I remember when I got that bass, I tried to tune back up, but I didn't realize that because I have perfect pitch. My ears had gotten used to my E string being a D. Okay, yeah, And yeah. so I was playing with the wine. Was it just like completely messing oh, you up? Mess- yeah, it was yeah. already messing me up <clears throat> because I hadn't got used to the B string, the new string here. Yeah. So I would think I was hitting the E string and I'd be playing. I was, And I, what I did was I didn't practice. I was on tour. So I just went right out on tour and I was playing with the wine. And I remember him turning around looking at me. Like, what the <laughs> What's he doing? Because I was mutilating the song, man. But it took me a, probably about a month to get comfortable. And then I realized that I was used to de- tuning down. So I yeah. just tuned back down and I yeah. never I never changed from that. And um, So you're completely used to all the notes yeah. being yeah. a tone like, This is your yeah. F sharp, yeah. but it's my E. If right, I hit this okay, note, yeah. don't hear E. Like it, and sometimes even when I go sit in and play somebody else's bass, I have to tune it down before I play it. Yeah, because it's just, cannot, yeah, yeah. I'm totally. I mean, brain under, gymnastics for yeah, you trying to play yeah, a regular I can't kind play of tune a song bass. Yeah, yeah. Bass is tuned standard. So. so it was all from playing a four string, wanting those deeper yeah, notes, yeah, getting used yeah, to that tone yeah, and the vibe, yeah, and then yeah. the five strings came and along. And I think and then, that yeah. was probably the beginning of me developing my sound because I started being known for my sound. Yeah. And I, and, I think doing people ask me that every time I play, my playing to me is like doing a record, you know, because yeah. I've done a million records. And when I hear my bass, when I'm playing with a band, I want it to sound like a record. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of guys, and see, a lot of guys make this mistake. Like you go in the music store, you sit there in front of an amp and you play it, and then you, and then, but then you get it home and you don't like it when you're playing because you're not doing it in an actual game time environment, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's why. 
it's taken me a long time, but I, I know what I want to hear. I know the frequencies, like my favorite mid, uh, treble frequency is 6K. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. I put 6K in and I'm good. My bass frequency is 100. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, and then I like to be able to, to vary my mid range. Yeah. You know, um, you know exactly what gives you the sound that you're looking for. I like to scoop one to three K. Yeah. You know, and people, I've, you know, I've heard a lot of criticism about it, but when you listen to all these records I've done and listen now, my bass sounds on these records is like it's sitting where it's supposed to sit. Yeah, you know? that's your signature yeah. sound. When I think about, I think yeah. about that like that little yeah. mid scoop, yeah. you know, and it yeah. give, and and then yeah. all the people that have, you know, all the players that have come after you, you know, yeah. all have that. And every time I hear that sound, I'm like, yeah. you know, just yeah. you know, yeah. they've heard you and it's they're funny, trying to emulate that sound. You know? And it's funny because people, there are people that hate. They hate my sound. <laughs> it's just funny because I see all this stuff on like these websites and and you know chat room. Yeah, 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 yeah. Forums. And, and, and there've like been that. some guys, man. The forums, yeah. There've been some guys that just kill me. Every, they kill me every chance they get. Man. <laughs> it was this one guy, man. And I, usually I don't say anything, but I was just like he was bad mouthing me so bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. I wrote him. I said, you yeah. know what, dude? I said, imagine if you were me. Yeah. And people forget that you're a yeah, real guy. That's the thing, exactly, you know. Exactly. Because you try to be thick skinned and, and let it roll off. But every once in a while, you know, especially when it just hits stuff there. There was there was an incident when in 06 where Shaka Khan was getting a lifetime achievement award on the BET yeah. Awards, man. And what happened was uh they had the house band that was gonna do the thing and Prince was doing all the music for it. But Shaka was like, well, if you guys are doing a tribute to me, my musical director has to be involved. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I go in, and I'm walking into a room full of people that don't want me to be there. Right, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, it was just, it was, the tension was so thick. <laughs> you cut it with a knife, man. But it, it, it wound up working out really, really cool. And, and Prince came, and um, that, that's, this was actually my first time ever meeting him okay. in 06. Yeah. And, and... He had done this arrangement of Shaka's stuff. And, you know, Shaka still wanted to have her flavor on it. So yeah. I kind of infused my thing in with his thing. Yeah. And at first, when he, because when he, we rehearsed for three days before he got there. Yeah. And then when he first got there, man, he, he stood there. We were playing and then he, he just walked out. Uh. And I was like, oh, crap. Oh. And so, <laughs> and then he, um, he came back in and then he came over to me. It was my first time ever meeting him. And he, we did the pleasantries. Ah, nice to meet you. Love your work. All of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he goes, so did you get the CD? I said, well, yeah. I, but I'm, I'm being very diplomatic. I said, but I didn't, I didn't think that those arrangements were etched in stone. Those are my exact words. Right, okay. Yeah, he yeah. was real cool. He said, you know, I was trying to capture... The spirit of uh, Arif Martin had just died. Yeah. And he said, I was trying to capture the spirit of Arif Martin. And I said, oh, okay, I get that. So we kind of met in the middle. Yeah. But when the thing came on, the bass on TV was the loudest thing in the mix. But I'm going to tell you the crazy part. The, the people from the show, they did everything they could to like let me not be seen. Like the rest of the band was over here in the center. I was you were like off. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. so far stage left that I could shake hands with the guy that was that was <laughs> putting the, the curtain. monitors. No, in. the guy yeah, that put yeah, the yeah. curtain down. Yeah, yeah. Like that's how far over. And there was no light on me. You just saw my silhouette. Yeah. But it was funny because when the when, when I listened back to it, the bass was so loud in the mix. And so the engineers were loving it. Yeah. 
And, and everybody, Mike Tobias called me first. He said, man, I just heard your performance on the BET Awards. He said, it's the greatest performance I ever heard. Wow. And I was like, well, I couldn't wait to hear because I recorded it because yeah. we did it live, you know. And, and so this on this particular website, it was a whole uh, thing about oh, right. okay. yeah, yeah. on the BET Awards and all these guys. First, some guys were like, oh, man, it was the greatest, blah, blah, blah. But then this one guy, he's like, well, I'd like to offer a different opinion. I heard that Prince was angry because Goucher wouldn't follow his instructions. Oh. And then all these other guys start chiming in about his plan is too busy and, and he wasn't doing what Prince said. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and this was 06. And I, I read all the stuff, but I didn't say anything. But then in 2012, it came back. It's like, you are kidding. Six it, years afterwards. Yep, it came back again. And the same guy came on again. And I finally was like, I, and I went on there and I said something. I'm taking you out. I said, let me tell all of y'all something. When I did that thing, I was working for Shaka Khan. I wasn't working for Prince. Yeah. And I had to make my boss happy. And so, uh, and this one guy, I sent him a message. I said, dude, I want you to imagine if I was on here blasting you in public like you blasted yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually apologized to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot, of, a lot of people don't realize that. You put all this stuff on the internet. First of all, it stays there forever. And everybody sees it, man. Yeah, and yeah. And it affects everybody's opinion. You know, yeah, they yeah, read it. They think yeah. it's the gospel. And yeah. they're just like, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's it's like, have you seen uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel when he does the mean tweets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, people say whatever they want to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same thing. And I'm it? usually yeah. I'm usually cool about it, but I just had to say something like that guy. And that's the only time I've ever done that. But I've had people. I had a guy meet me one time. He said, "Man, I never met you before." But before I said, I hated you. Really? Yeah, yeah, he said he hated me, but it was based on what he had heard from other people. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. He's like, man, you're so cool, man. And it's like, um, I realized a long time ago, because I believe with with any notoriety, there's responsibility, because especially in, in coming from where I came from, like, you mean you could meet somebody and you don't know where they are in their life, and their interaction with you could determine which direction they go in. Yeah, yeah. So... You just, you know, I tell people all the time, you got to be cool with everybody, man. You yeah, know? So yeah. That's it's the best. It's do. the best way to be, man. Yeah. And you were telling me yeah. earlier as well about how how cool Mike Tobias was. How did how did that relationship come up? Because it's one of, you know, you, how long have you been playing the MTD basses <laughs> for? Well, I started with Tobias in '87, and I was in New York playing with Billy Preston. And you know, when you go to New York, you always go to. You always go to uh, 48th Street where all the music stores were. They aren't there anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, Rudy's just left. Rudy's Is Rudy's shut? Yeah, they left. They went down. Oh, they moved? To like the village somewhere. Right, okay, but, yeah. But um, so me and the drummer went down. You, you have to make the pilgrimage to 48th Street. So yeah, I'm yeah. walking. I'm playing a friend of jazz at this time. And I'm walking. Um, um, and I see this bass in the window. Rudy's guitar shop. And I tell the drum, I said, man, look at that bass. I've never seen anything like it. And I said, I already know if I play it, I'm going to want it. And I went in, <laughs> and the guy, uh, Dean, who's still, he's like the manager now, but he was working there then right, okay, in the yeah. bass department. And he uh, let me see the bass, and I started playing it. And I couldn't believe it. It was like, there's no way that this bass sounds like yeah. this. And and was this a Tobias? Tobias. Like the original Tobias. Tobias. Yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. basic. Tobias basic. It was okay, five yeah, string. Yeah. It was white. I'll never forget it. 
and he plugged me into SWR, yeah, which was new then. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah. old tweeter. And they're old now, aren't they? I don't even oh, know yeah. if they, they, they are still around. Anymore, yeah, yeah. yeah. But <clears throat> I played it through that rig, and I couldn't believe it. And so I made him take it out of there and put it in a little cheesy amp because I thought it has to be the yeah. amp. But I, he put it in a, in a real cheap amp, and it was killing. And then he, you know, he asked us, uh, what we were doing there and I t- we told him and he asked me where I was from and I told yeah. him um, from LA. He said, well, you know, the shop is in LA. And then I remembered, I drove by that shop a million times. Re- oh, so he was here in LA. To buy his guitars, like oh, right yeah. just south of Hollywood Boulevard on Coanga. And I saw it a million times and we got home that Sunday, Monday morning, I went to that You're shop. You're knocking on the door. knocked on the door. <laughs> and I told um, Bob Lee, who was Mike's first employee, came to the door. And I told him I'd just gotten back from New York and I played this bass that blew me away. And I told him my name and he knew who I was and he let me in. Yeah. Because yeah. it was just a little shop. Him yeah, and him. yeah. It wasn't a store at all. It was like a workshop yeah, type exactly. vibe. Exactly. Yeah. And and I went in and I'll never forget there were a bunch of bases up on the wall. And just beautiful. Like I'd never seen anything like that. He was that. doing some groundbreaking yeah. stuff, wasn't he? Yeah. And Mike was over on the other side of the room on a workbench working on something. Like he, he like didn't even turn around. And then the uh, Bob pulled a bass down and let me play it, which was the one I actually bought. It was Coca Bottle and Purple yeah, Heart yeah, yeah. Wood. And when I started playing, then Mike came over <laughs> and he introduced himself to me. And and um, we've been friends ever since. Wow. Yep. Ever since, man, and I love that guy. Man. So you did the Tobias basses, yeah. and then was that your first introdu- introduction to six string as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, did I have that one first? Yeah, I got a. I actually traded. A friend of mine had bought a to buy a six string signature that he couldn't handle. He wasn't. He was a keyboard player that was trying to play bass. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so I traded him. The Coca Bolo five string for that six string. You know, yeah. we gospel dudes, we trade stuff all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I traded him for that bass, and it sounded incredible. It was zebra and Wingy, had a Wingy neck, and uh, um, but the strings were so close together that right, I didn't okay, like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And a friend of mine, they wasn't, wasn't that really that good of a friend. A guy named Rick Carter in Atlanta. I was down in Atlanta doing a live session, and. He had a Yamaha that, whatever that thing was, with the big wide neck. And the BB was it? Oh, no, not the TRB. BB. TRB. TRB. Yeah, and yeah. He brought it to the set. He was supposed to bring it to the session so I could play it, but he showed up after the session was over. So right, okay. it packed up all the gear. Yeah. But I just held it and played it without plugging it in, and it felt incredible. So I traded him the Tobias for that Yamaha. Yeah. I got home and played that Yamaha. It was the biggest piece of crap. And I called him on the phone. I was like, man. He, and he would not return my oh, phone. Oh, really? He has that bass to this day. Oh. And I laugh about it now because I had actually planned to go down there. I was going to find him and beat the crap out of him and take my bass back from him. But it's funny now, man. I look over there and look at all those bases. And that's yeah, because you've got some amazing that's not even bases. I love them, man. And, you know, it's just been amazing because I've given, I've given away a bunch of bases, man. And so... Uh, anyway, what's the deal with this bass? Because we, you've just got this, haven't you? Yeah, this it's is super uh, cool. It's like MIDI and it's the full, a MIDI yeah. bass, man. And you know, Mike made one for my friend Bubby Lewis, and I played Bubby's, and it was incredible. And I said, Mike, you got to make me one. Yeah, and it took him two years, but he made. But you got it. it. In the end, uh, yeah. I, got, I just got it last week, and I'm still 
tweaking it, but it's just incredible. Uh, it works with the Roland VB99 module. Yeah. And the, the actual Roland MIDI unit is inside of here. Oh, it's actually built in. He okay. built it in. And this is the pick guard, the pickup for the, for the Roland. Right. Okay. But it, it works, uh, like I was demonstrating earlier, you know. I started playing. That's for me, man. It's something that makes me want to play. Yeah, yeah. And that's for the tone. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. I've been tweaking it and I'm still tweaking it. But cool thing is I can play that and I can I can actually incorporate it. I can switch it to just a bit. And you can just switch, so you can have yeah. your normal bass sound, you yeah. can have the, the, switch the MIDI. Them. Okay. I can switch, or I can have them both. Or you can have the time. mix as well, yeah. sound a lot because you get kind of like a real well, I just got this so oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah you I'm don't still, know yet. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still like finding my way but I'm, I'm I know I'm gonna figure out different ways to use it um it's great because I can switch the programs like right here like what does that say that's some kind of yeah, what's that so. fretless we had a fretless one before yeah, yeah. that's from your album isn't it no uh, what's that so tell everybody about your album because I want to yeah. I want I want to get this in as well. Man. Finally, been... after all these years, man, I finally did a record. People have been telling me for years, man, when you gonna put a record out? Yeah. So I did it. Yeah, and I had to get over the fear of people not liking my songs, you know. And yeah. But I, what I realized is I just had to put it out there, and I did, and the response has been incredible. The name of the record is called "We Don't Need No Bass," <laughs> and that title is oh, it, it, when you hear the, the song. It's a, actually a true story. Back when I started playing in the 70s in church, I would go to churches to play. And the, the people would be like, well, we don't need bass because the organ player can play bass on the pedals. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. what I'm talking about. It's actually the first song on the record where yeah. I'm talking about that. But, uh, uh, of course, the song is all bass. All bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, And so you've got what, some incredible players on it. You've got Chris uh, Coleman on Chris drums. Chris Coleman, and, uh, Donald Hayes on sax. I don't know if you're familiar with Eric Walls. Yeah, 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 Eric yeah, Walls, yeah. crazy guitar player. Yohei Nakamura is playing on there. Yeah. My good friend Tracy Carter. I'm trying to think of Gordon Campbell. Who else? Man. A bunch of cats. Yeah. And like, and that's the blessing, man. I like all the dopest cats are my friends. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. the crazy part was everybody was like, they were coming to me going, yo, man, let me play on your record, you know? So um And you recorded it here, didn't you? Most La, of it, the well. it, uh, I did here. Uh, yeah. Gordon Campbell did his own drums because he's got his own studio. Right, okay, so yeah. he did his drums uh, there. But for the most part, 
everybody came here. And did you but, track it all like live? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, it was like the real yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And some stuff I had added, you know, I mean, I added guitars later. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, drums and bass and keys. Like, and where, where can people find it? It's on iTunes and um, just Andrew Goucher, We Don't Need No Bass. And it's on my website. If you want to get What's your website? Just andrewgoucher.com. And you go there and you can order an autographed CD. And, yeah. I'm going to get one. Yeah. <laughs> well, <you gonna> <laughs> might get one to get to. Might well, well get one today. Yeah. And uh, have you got Facebook? Like, where can people find you online? There's the website. Andrew Boucher. It's just my name. Yeah. You know, and I also want to let everybody know about my wonderful amps, man. Yeah, uh, I was going to get these in as well. Tech We've amp. been loving this here, actually. Yeah, we all kind of been, ooh. <laughs> tech amp, man. When people ask me to describe it, the best way I can describe it is that it's vintage meets the 21st century. Yeah. And yeah. it's just German made and the sound is incredible. A lot of people are, are really starting to discover it now. But it's like whatever kind of sound you're looking for, it's in there. And is, is this valve, this one? This one is. This, this is one is tools. because you've got this one here yeah. as well. And this yeah. one sounds incredible as well. Yeah. This is a Puma 900. Puma 900, yeah. And this one is the... Bad Bull. I think anything called a Bad Bull is going to yeah. sound great, and this actually. this is Bad Bull 900. <laughs> this right here, 2000, is 2400 watts. Oh. Which, you know, a lot of people, when you think about that kind of power... You're good up to like two ohms or something like that. And that stuff, I don't know. I just know that. Uh, <laughs> you know, the power... It, it, it changed. It's not about the volume, it's but it's about, isn't it? and the meatiness yeah, of the yeah, sound, yeah. and it's just something. Yeah. But this stuff right here is just incredible, and I want to give a shout out to my man Thomas Ike, who's the creator of all this stuff, and Glenn Kawamoto, who's Tech Amp uh, USA, and got to give a shout out to my man Mike Tobias. I yeah, really yeah, love yeah that definitely, brother. man, definitely, uh, man. He's the greatest, you know. And I love everybody, but Mike Tobias is the greatest. Dude, yeah. you're the greatest. Oh, so I just want to thank Andrew. Like, what an absolute star, man. Thank you so thank much you. for letting thank us come you. in your thank house and, and chill out in the studio and, yeah, you know, and for the team. But the team here in L.A. as well. The weather's hot. Man. You know, we're actually going to... time to be in L.A. right now. Yeah, I know. I, you know what? Andrew doesn't know. He's actually going to try and stay here. And just, you know. <laughs> but thanks <laughs> again, Andrew. And thank you've been you, an absolute star, man. Cheers. Awesome, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Okay, guys, hopefully you really enjoyed that interview. It really was one of the, one of my favorites while we were in, we were over in LA recording this series of interviews. It just, he was, he was super cool. His studio was super cool. If you're an Academy member, obviously you can watch the video for this as well. So, um, yeah, you'll have seen his studio and his dog was super cool. Even his dog is super cool. His dog's called Spider-Man. You know, if you've got a dog called Spider-Man, it's going to be cool, isn't it? Anyway, if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, I've put some videos on there for you so you can check those out. Just go over to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash episode six. If you're new to scottsbasslessons.com, just shoot over to scottsbasslessons.com forward slash toolkit. I've created some cool free video resources for you on there, like buyer's guide and a baseline creation guide. And, well, go check it out. There's a backing track library and things like that for you to get your hands on. And also remember, if you haven't tried out the Academy over at Scott's Bass Lessons yet, just go over, check it out. It's a 14-day free trial just to see if you like it. And trust me, it's absolutely epic. There's courses, live seminars every week, huge bass community, 
just it's really really amazing and there's also well there's me and a host of other great tutors in there as well helping everybody get to the next level in their bass playing so thanks again for listening today guys next week we've got another amazing guest and somebody who i've been following for the last few years marco mendoza now he is not only an amazing bass player but he's also an amazing vocalist as well he plays a six string fretless bass like nobody i've ever seen he's got a really unique style and he's also got a really unique story as well so keep an eye out for that and other than that guys take it easy and as always i will see you in the shed 